Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Welcome to Cleveland. Believe in mid to late April, April 19th. You can tell Jakeem Grant has no experience walking on snow. None whatsoever. He's like the person who has to walk out onto the ice at a hockey game to drop the ceremonial puck and they forgot to roll the red carpet. So you have to actually walk on the ice. That's what it seemed like. And how about Deshaun Watson? He could have stayed. Well, not that he could have stayed in Houston, but he used to be in Houston. Could have gone to Atlanta. Could have gone to New Orleans. Could have gone to Carolina. He picks Cleveland. I don't think he expected April 19th. <laughs> first day he shows up for work with the I Cleveland know. Browns for the offseason program to be walking through snowflakes. Just kind of a strange weather pattern all over. I had snow all over the ground yesterday when I woke up. What the hell is going on? I was down at my barn last night. It was in the 30s. I had to, I had to start a fire in late April, but that's all right. It'll get, it'll get warmer Eventually. quickly, and then we'll forget all about this. Yeah, it probably happens every here. year, and we forget about it. I don't know. I, I'm pretty good at this. This is, this is one where, like, I like the cold air, but, like, up here in the Northeast, it's a little like, all right, come on. I'm, uh, winter was great, but I've, I've had enough. And then we've got, like, those sprinkles of a few nice days, you know? That's what makes it worse. You have two or three days where you go, oh, this is great. Oh, mid-60s, you know, up, upper 60s. And then... You know, the next day it's down here. We're, we're, you know, this morning it's 38 degrees here. It's just like you get sick of it. It's wearing on me. I need the spring to get here full fledged right now. 
Today, though, was the first day I did not have to turn on my lights in my garage as my as I made oh. my way up to the studio. Right. So it's nice that it's getting brighter in the mornings. And also, it was nice that today was the day that I was not the one who was trying to get myself situated just under the wire. And it was you for a change with something that I'm sure you did to bust your equipment. And Pete Demolitis had to come in and scramble to get you up so we would be ready to go when the show started. It was you this time, not me. Uh, uh, yes. I I was a little later today, but I don't know what the deal was with the earpiece or whatever. You know, the earpiece, the button, when we came in here, it wasn't on the, the cord anymore. So there was a few issues. And then I usually can, like, I can usually hear you coming up the steps into your, you know, you know your office at home in Chateau de Florio. So I can usually hear that. And then... I can hear you walking around the chateau, and I did not, so I started to panic. And then I saw you in the screen. I went, "Uh oh, I'm not hearing anything." And luckily, Pete got in here. Pete, you know, four four two. I think he ran at the combine one day. He got in here in a hurry. He wasn't even out of breath. And yeah, it's not my my office. It's my studio. I have a separate office. Oh, this excuse me. I, I have offended Chateau de Florio. For the purposes. This is <laughs> Studio A. Studio B is oh, over there. Yeah, sorry. Universal office Studios downstairs. over here. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I usually yell something to you as I come up just to make sure everybody knows that I'm in the building. I put my makeup on in front of one of the light sets just because it's easier that way my eyes aren't what they used to be so i do that and then you know i'm up here and i try to say a few things so they know i'm here so so we can stop talking panicking. about you we're all that's well, the best we'll be no, oh he's here actually, he's here I, guys shh, shh I, he's I, not I, a I, jerk remember shh you've given me a good idea maybe i won't <laughs> you check it out yeah i won't maybe check i'll just out. listen maybe i'll maybe i've got an ifp over at studio b where i can listen <laughs> yeah. to what you may be saying also something else too before we get to the news usually and i don't know how this goes for you i have stress dreams about prior phases of my life stress dream about college the whole thing where it's finals and you've never gone to the class sure. the whole semester and yeah. you don't even know where the classroom is and you're trying to find you know and then i'll have stress dreams about my law practice like i'm dropped down in the middle of a trial that i know nothing about and i have to act like i know what i'm doing you know that kind of stuff i'm starting to have stress dreams about this show and i had one right before i woke up it was one of those things where it was ridiculous it was over the top and there was all sorts of crazy stuff happening but when you're in the middle of it you don't know any better you think it's real and you were so pissed and i'm not going to bore anyone with the details because the last thing we care about is other people's fantasy football teams and other people's dreams but it was just so funny because I have this vivid image of how pissed off you were about how everything was going so poorly and unexpectedly, <laughs> and and we were t together in our studio with a lot of other people there, right? And we were both very unhappy that we're there were all know. these other people right. when we were trying to do our show, and we were letting them know. Good, and it was awkward. Good, and it was ugly. And let me tell you one thing, because I, I I learned something from this dream, and this is something that you can all use if you find yourselves in this awkward interpersonal situation at some point in the future we're getting ready to start the show and i was being a jerk a massive jerk to everyone because they were being loud and i wanted people to understand when the show starts y'all gotta shut the hell up it was kind of like the chris berman thing when he's losing a gasket yeah and 
I turned to the guy next to me and I said, okay, I'm going to try to be nice now. I turned to the guy next to me and I said, hi, my name's Mike. And he says, hi, my name's Rob. Same as it was last night when you met me last night. And my response was, and if you ever find yourself in this situation, I recommend doing this. I said in my dream, well, maybe you changed your name since last night. I'm just checking. So <laughs> keep, if you ever get yourself wow. in that spot where you're meeting someone again for the first time and they tell you your name and they've already told you your name and they seem miffed, you could say there's a chance you may have changed your name since the last time you told me what your name is. So I, I, I learned something from my crazy-ass dream this morning. Yeah, yeah, you really learned that. That's a good one. Yeah, use that on people. That, I'm sure follow that'll that work. Away. I'll follow that away. <laughs> that, may, that may keep me down to one black eye instead of two black eyes when I uh, say something that dumb. All right, uh, let's get back to the Cleveland Browns. Deshaun Watson, as mentioned, shows up for the start of offseason workouts. The Brown tweeted QB1 is in the building and it's just so weird to see him walking in the snow but he's happy hey look he's finally back in a place where he wants to be he didn't want to be in houston at all last year we know the story very well by now and you know the reality is as that that happy photo is being taken there are still 22 pending civil lawsuits we still don't know what the league is going to do and shereen williams and i were talking about this last night on pftpm it's just a reminder when you see that it, it it's vivid this is still there. It's not going away. No. The sooner it goes away, the better off everyone will be. Get everybody in a room, get a retired judge that everybody respects, that the lawyers will listen to, and broker a settlement of all the cases and just move on. I think we're at the point where Watson needs it, the Browns need it, and the fans definitely need that to be gone. Because every good thing that happens is going to have that asterisk on it. You see that great picture yesterday of him showing up in the snow with his fingers up. What's the first thing you think? Well, he's doing this. That's half of the lawsuits that he's facing. You're right. That's constantly going to be there. Yeah. That's constantly going to be hanging around until it's gone. Yeah, no. I, and as Pete says, as Pete says, go look at the comments on the tweet if you want a reminder of the fact that 22 lawsuits are still pending against Deshaun Watson. No, it's, uh, it, it is what you think a little bit. I'm happy for Deshaun Watson. I am happy for the Cleveland Browns. I'm always happy just to see football getting started again and the guys in the building. Um, it's a good first step, I think, for them and the Browns and, and Deshaun Watson. You know, I was going to refer to the tweets because the tweets are they kind of tell it all a little bit, at least some of the comments, you know, in, in articles you've written, social media, all of that. There's one faction of the fan base that is extremely excited. And I would say there's more excitement, at least when I looked at kind of the, the thread there of like, yeah, let's go. Browns, blah, 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 all that. I would say it was more that way. Now, maybe it changed later in the day, uh, but but I felt like it was like, Four out of every five tweets was more excitement about the Browns football team. And then you got the, you know, of course, there's the one that's going to say, well, this guy's still a jerk and has issues here. So uh, they they got some healing to do. That's all there is to it there in Cleveland. They got to get this figured out, I think, to your point, just to kind of get it away, get it out off of people's minds a little bit more. It's not going to go away, but I think it'll be a start to, you know, kind of massaging this relationship that, you know, hopefully has some potential. I'm scrolling through some of these tweets, and there's always a chance. Yeah, what do you think? Because what, 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 when I looked, well, I thought it was more excitement than, than you know, the negative stuff. My, my What was your initial look my, there? Well, I'm seeing that, 
accounts it uh, based upon what what the name is and it's looking like it is Browns fans. I thought maybe it's fans of other teams coming in to vandalize the situation and make it worse. Yeah, but I, I think Browns I think fans so. are yeah. split. I think right. Browns fans are split right. on this. I know my niece, who is a very, very rabid and zealous Browns fan, did not like the trade. And I asked her the day that it was announced, would you feel better about it if these cases were resolved and it's basically something that wasn't hanging over you as a Browns fan? And she said, yes, I would feel better if that was over, if that was gone, if that was done. That's not the Browns' business. It shouldn't be the Browns' business. That's past Houston Texans' Deshaun Watson business. And it's been over four weeks now since they traded for Deshaun Watson. And the sooner they wrap it up, the better. That's what they need to do for everyone's sake. I think the time has come. It's been there for a year. It's going to be at least another year. The cases aren't going to trial until after the 2022 season. Maybe one goes in July, but I doubt that's going to happen. This is going to hover. This is going to linger. It's not good for anybody. And Deshaun Watson definitely can afford whatever the settlements would be even if each person gets a million dollars he's getting 230 million over the next five years and i'm not suggesting that each person should get a million dollars yeah you're but just laying my, it out my there. guess is that yeah. each person could be settled for significantly less than that and there's a point where you just have to accept that chapter of my life is over there's always been a price that i was going to have to pay let's get in a room and work out what a fair amount of justice is for all these folks so everyone yeah and move on baker mayfield would like to move on. He was not present for the start of voluntary workouts. Now, look, I thought that there was a chance Baker Mayfield's attitude was going to be, here I am, deal with me. But I've gotten the impression in recent days that he's going to be far more inclined to go along, to get along, to get the path that he wants, and not exit Cleveland with even more questions about how big of a pain in the butt he is. Mm -hmm. That he's going to comply. He's going to submit because he needs his next team to feel good about him and not be concerned that they're going to get some of the same treatment the Browns have gotten. He needs to turn that new leaf if he wants to get that new contract either this year or next year from some new team somewhere in the NFL. Uh, well, agreed. It's like we talked about on Monday. That's why I didn't think he would make a kerfuffle or you know have issues and just get all public and try to strong arm the Browns in the situation because there is a reputation out there. So he's got to be careful. You know, yes, he doesn't want to bring you know more to his reputation to the table if he does go somewhere else. And you know, we know how that works. You make one little mistake, and they go, "Oh, there's that guy." That, you know, we saw him do this in Cleveland. So uh, it does seem like he's gonna you know step in line uh, to a degree there. Wait it out. We'll see where it goes. There's gonna be options. He's gonna have at least one team. I I think when it's all said and done. That's going to have a wanting for him. I do. So he should be able to be patient from that aspect. But, yeah, I mean, you just talk about the energy. I, I, I can't imagine the energy in that Cleveland building yesterday. I really can't. It must have been weird. You know, again, these are guys, yes, you talk to your friends and, and, and you text, but there's a lot of guys on a team you haven't seen either and that you didn't text. And I can just imagine the energy one, the bump of energy from Deshaun Watson and everybody being like, oh, my gosh, there he is. Look, he's in the meeting room. Oh, and everybody excited for that. And then the, you know, hey, what about Baker Mayfield and all the whispering that's going on behind the scenes and what the hell is going to go on there? Uh, it must have been a sight to see. I wish it was a day. I wish I could have been a fly on a wall there in Cleveland. Well, and there's going to be a lot of days like that yeah. until they get the Baker Mayfield situation resolved. And who knows when that's going to happen. We're two weeks away from the start of the draft, two weeks and one day, 
No, no. What am I talking about? No. I've completely lost track one of week, time. One day. The snow, the snow has put me in a time Yet warp. In draft one mode. week and one day. It's an honor one and a privilege. Here we go. One of the, the best days of the, of the year. Honor woo, 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 woo. Honor, honor and a privilege. Um, but uh, regardless, Baker Mayfield could go before the draft, during the draft, after the draft. I think at this point, the more reasonable view is teams that are looking for a quarterback, who are truly looking for a quarterback and would be interested in Baker Mayfield, wait to see what happens round one, round two, and then maybe do that trade after you don't get the guy that maybe you think you want. The Panthers have emerged most recently as the team most likely to get Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson, different different week altogether, yeah. getting back to wintertime. Baker Mayfield. But uh, – I've, and I've heard that the Panthers don't think enough of the, the crop of quarterbacks, and it, that's right. how they've, they've warmed up to Baker Mayfield. But nothing's really happened the past couple of days. We'll continue to monitor all of that. Uh, one way or the other, this deal is going to get done. It's going to get done. It's just a question of where and when, how much money the Browns pay, how much money the new team pays, and what compensation the Browns get for them. There are some details left, but we know it's going to get done at this point. Yeah, I, I think so, too. That's why I think Baker Mayfield can sit back and not have to be you know, a jerk or force his way here or anything like that. Uh, I mean, it seems Carolina, Seattle, one of the two. Uh, maybe one of them does take a quarterback and it singles it down to one. But I, I just, you know, it goes back to like a, a, a kind of a conversation we had early on you know, I think even at the combine and, and, and at that point, Mike, with Carolina, it's just Matt Rule, the Cole crew, their butt, you know, it's, it's hot. The seat's hot. Are they really going to go down the route of rookie quarterback? You know, I know it's dicey with Baker Mayfield, too. I get that. But there's not a lot of great choices out there right now. So uh, I, Baker Mayfield, at least they're going to be able to look at it and go, wait, well, he's played in the NFL. He's played a playoff game. You know, we can sit here and watch film and watch stretches of games and go, he played really damn good. You know, there is something like we've talked about a lot to his attitude and fire he brings to a team. Certainly has a little bit more of an advantage over Sam Darnold in that department. So I could see them going that way. And, you know, like like I've told you, I know I'm in the minority. I mean, Corral's the only guy that has the, the true play and talent of me to justify the top 15 pick. Malik Willis has the talent – but it's, you know, like we've talked about, it's raw. Kenny Pickett, you know, again, it just seems like everybody's kind of came to the realization that it's like, it's good, but he was in college for six years. You know, it's not wowing. And I would think Carolina's getting cold feet, especially at number six for taking a quarterback, Mike. One last item of business on the Cleveland Browns after the show yesterday. Yeah. I got the full breakdown of the Denzel Ward contract. Mm-hmm. And it is a real deal. It is. It has guarantees that vest one year in advance, which means he's going to be there most likely four years of the deal. My only concern for Denzel Ward is that once he gets three years in, based upon what the salary cap does, based upon what the market does, he's not going to be happy. It's going to be a potential Xavier Howard situation where, if you may recall, Howard was very unhappy with his new deal just a couple of years into it. Because it had some smoke and mirrors, it had some fluff, it had some things aimed at just getting him to that highest new money average, even though the deal itself wasn't great. This deal's really good, but the market may change how he feels about the deal. And the difference is, teams seem to be more willing now for a guy who's playing at a high level. They seem to be more willing to rip up that old deal and replace it with something better to acknowledge the fact that things have changed. There was a time not all that long ago, grand scheme of things, where a team's attitude was, you signed the contract, 
you live with it. The Eagles used to be the kings of that. Right. They would spot a guy two years in, sign him to like a 10-year deal, and it would two, three, four years later be completely obsolete, not a reflection of the market, not a reflection of reality, and their attitude was too bad a deal's a deal. Yeah. And that's not, that's not a way to – to deal with your players. You have to make them happy. They have to feel good about their contract. And as the market goes up and the salary cap goes up, you got to be willing to adjust these deals yeah. if you want to have a happy locker room, Chris. Yeah, you definitely do. And you want to do right by the guys that deserve to be done right by. I mean, that's the other thing, too. And I would think that, you know, Stefanski and company, this is a guy that they, they want to reward in Denzel Ward. You know, we hit on it a little yesterday. Ohio State kid, top five pick has done everything they've asked and wanted, plays at a really high level, you know, just hitting the kind of the peak of his career. It makes sense from from every standpoint there. It was a, a good deal, and it was a good deal, yeah, for Denzel Ward. Uh, you know, I always follow your lead. It looked like it when I read the article yesterday. And anyway, just to be clear, because I'm, I'm – uh, did they rip it up, or does, is, that, is that what they did here, or does he still, well, still get the – it's just a brand new, you're, you're saying here. Here's how it works. Yeah. How, my, 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 it's a five-year extension that pays out $100.5 million. Right. So the new money average of 20.1 is, is real. real. Okay, gotcha. But you. it gets tacked onto the existing yes, $13 okay. million okay. in change it was due to make. So it's a six-year contract. So the bottom line is – and they never – the extension is never some new contract that gets stapled to the old one. It's always a new deal from scratch. Right. The old one gets subsumed into it. But my point is you commit for six years. Yeah, yeah, there's yeah. a chance yeah. that on the back end you're not going to be happy. And right. I think the attitude is for a guy who's never played every game of a regular season, so he needed and wanted the injury guarantee. He has the $44 million fully guaranteed at signing. The rest of it begins to vest very quickly. He'll be he'll be fine. And the the but the question is when will he say, man, look at all these other guys who are getting these big contracts. I'm being left in the dust. I'm not real happy about my deal. I think that could be three or four years away, and the Browns have to be ready to pivot again if he's playing at a high level. That's the key. If you're playing at a high level, you justify the push to get your contract replaced. But he's getting in the interim the life changing money the absolute, complete, and total life-changing money. So it's kind of the best of both worlds for Denzel Ward. And again, he's not one of the top two or three corners in the league, so the fact that he's getting this kind of a contract makes it even better for that, him. That's may, a great may not yeah. be right if Jalen Ramsey was coming up for a deal right now and he was four years into his career. But no, this is, this is a guy who, who is, I don't know, top 10-ish, but not a guy who's going to be in a position to say, I'm one of the, the very best in the league, so a good payday for him. Good deal for the Browns, but the caveat is if he's playing at a very high level three or four years from now, they may have to tear it up and give him something new. All right, Kyler Murray would like to have his contract torn up and replaced with something brand new. The offseason program has begun in Arizona. Murray not there, not a surprise, given that he's trying to leverage the situation to get his contract. Here is veteran J.J. Watt, who joined the Cardinals last year, talking about the absence of the team's franchise quarterback. JJ, does it matter to you that your starting quarterback's not there working out with you guys? No. Why not? Because uh, all I need him to be there for is the first game of the season and play good. Have you talked to Kyler Murray this offseason, and what uh, advice would you give a player of his caliber when they're going through, like, an ongoing contract dispute? Um, I mean, we talk frequently. Um as far as advice on contracts and things like that, I mean, if he wants my advice, I'm here for it. But I'm not, 
Uh, he's everybody goes through their own situation, and a quarterback in this league is vastly different than any any other position. Everybody knows that it's it's a quarterback driven league. You have to have a great one to have a chance at success. Um, we're fortunate to have a great one, and uh, I look forward to getting out there and playing with him again this season. And will he be there week one? That's really the question. I think this is all going to come to a head sooner rather than later. The Cardinals supposedly plan to do it in the summer. We've talked about this. Murray yeah. wants to get it done, if possible, now, so there'd be a window to change. What happened last week, six days ago, the dust-up then, it's led to nothing. So if that was an effort with two weeks to go before the draft to bring things to some sort of a conclusion – some sort of a negotiation, some sort of an impasse, and then maybe someone could trade for him. I think they've realized it's just not happening. There's no clamoring from other teams to try to get him. There's no indication that they've even talked. It's just kind of there, and it's going to continue to be there. It's going to hover over the Cardinals, and it's going to be one of the things we continue to track and monitor and talk about until they do get a deal done. And we'll see if they can get a deal done when June, July rolls around. Yeah, it it feels inevitable. I mean, it feels like it's going to happen, but it feels like there's going to be, you know, some moments like this along the way. I, I, I don't get the sense or feel that, like, the Cardinals are looking to trade Kyler Murray or that he really wants to go anywhere else. It's just a contract impasse, like you're talking about. He wants his money now. He wants to be protected. You know, I, 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 I get that. I do. You know, I, as a football player and a guy that's been around it, you know, I, I don't love the, oh, wait, it's, you know, it's still a young quarterback here where we're just going to miss, you know, spring, spring ball. We're going to miss OTAs, not be there. A team that, you know, we, doesn't finish strong and now is not going to have the leader. I don't love that. I don't. Not to say that I really think it'll make a huge difference, you know, during the season, but I do think the camaraderie, you know, this is the time of the year where, you know, you start to, hey, let's tinker with this play and that play because, you know, we, hey, Kyler, this is, it's year four. You know, you, you know everything in the offense. Now I want to add, you know, I was thinking about this as I was watching this, you know, the last few months and thinking about adding these formations with this plays and all of that type of stuff to where you do lose out on that. There's definitely value in that. So that, that bothers me as a guy that's a football guy. But this is the business of the NFL right now. And, uh, yeah, Kyler Murray's going to stay away. Well, and he has every right to do so. And, you know, one thing to mention real quickly, I I poked around about this last night because in 2021, one of the big issues that the players were pushing was collectively staying away from the offseason program to try to leverage better terms, less intense practices, fewer OTA sessions, et cetera. It was a very public push, and it worked. This year, you're not hearing any of that. I'm told that they're taking more of a behind-the-scenes approach, trying to continue the dialogue with teams to to shape the program a little bit differently. It's not having quite the same impact as last year when there was – it's not a strike because, again, you're not required to do it. You're doing the bare minimum that you're required to do under the CBA – but it's still there. It's just not as out front. And I think most of the absences we're seeing so far are because of individual circumstances, not a collective effort by yeah. players to say we're not going to go. And last year, I think the lingering concerns with the pandemic had something to do Definitely. with the union seized on the idea with how safe are these facilities? Are these guys safe for working out on their own? There were still a lot of unknowns and uncertainties. But now 
the only impediment the guy's showing up, the biggest impediment seems to be what's my contract situation. And guys have every right to stay away. It's newsworthy when they're not there, but that doesn't mean we're passing judgment or casting aspersions on their decisions to not be there. They have every right to not be there because it's all voluntary, but for the three-day mandatory minicamp that every team has. Yeah, it's not as taboo, like, taboo to like miss anymore. Uh, it, it, the world has changed. It, it's you know even from my era of the early two thousands, mid two thousands, where uh, Mike, we we discuss this a lot. It's just there's a lot of guys. Yeah, they're personal trainers. The the quarterbacks are you know more inclined to get groups together and throw footballs and do things on their own. There's more quarterbacks that have their own quarterback coach now. That was not even a thing 10, 12 years ago. Like, nobody in the NFL had a quarterback coach. Now everybody does, like in high school. So it's not like imperative. It's not like you're missing anything groundbreaking the first week or so or all that. But there is still value being there. And I don't know what – to me, what I want to go is like, I remember NFL off seasons. Um, they were very easy. What, what, what does the NFL PA want? I, that's where I would, uh, I love the players. I love it. I, I look at the NFL off season and go, it's a great thing. I mean, what, what you're not in the building that long. You work out, you're around your coaches, you learn a little football and you're out of there. And it's usually four days a week. I mean, tell me where you can sign up for a job four days a week where you get there at eight, you leave at 1230. But it's not, but that's not, I know. you're not getting paid. You're doing it for free. You're I, showing you're, up for free. I, I get it. You're, I Unless mean, you have yes. a workout bonus, you're I, working for free. Okay. That's the point. I get it. I mean, yes, you're, you're working for free, I guess. Yes. I mean, to a degree. I mean, they're also paying you to be a professional and be there and, and be a player and you make yourself the best you could be during the season. And, you know, right. that's where... I mean, what are we going to do? Just not do anything all off season and then just show up at training camp? I mean, well, that that'll be a disaster. I think at at some point if that does happen. That was a point we made last week. I mean, what are you going to do? You're going to do something somewhere, and it's always better to do it in the building than on your own because if you get injured on your own, you are sol. Yeah, like Juwan James was, and that that grievance is still pending against the Broncos. But mm. you're safer. You have you have an insurance policy that pays out your full salary in the event that you suffer some sort of a serious injury, some sort of a fluke thing, lifting weights, running on the field, doing whatever. But, you know, in, in an environment where the NFL always drives, if you haven't heard, the NFL always drives a hard bargain against everyone, yeah. including the players. You're in an environment where the NFL is always looking to drive the hardest possible bargain with everyone they bargain with. Then if you've got some power, you know, that, that's what it's about. What power do we have? What can we do to try to exert some leverage back against the NFL? That's part of what this is. They yeah. just expect the players to show up and take whatever piddly little per diem that they get. And, Chris, I remember back in the time frame that you were playing, I remember constantly hearing concerns about the the extent of contact during these yeah. OTA practices. And, like, yeah. the offensive linemen – I used to hear back then they just wanted to wear shoulder pads because they're out there with helmets and no other protection, and they're hitting like it's really practice, and they don't have pads on, and the helmets are hitting their shoulders. They're getting banged up. 
Like, let's just wear pads if we're going to do this. I, you're, and you're not wrong you've got, there. You've got young guys trying to prove themselves. Yeah. So they're, they're full of piss and vinegar, and they're trying to show that they belong, and they're out there in these unpadded practices, and they want to impress the coaches. The, the onus has always been on the coaches to find a way to take some of the steam out of a situation where you put 11 on 11 and you, and you, and you say, go – they're going to go out there and start beating the crap out of each other. Yeah, it, it, but but I, you know, it's different now than it was then too. In, in a short period of time, I think the league has adjusted to some of those things you're talking about. You know, at that time, yes, you know, there was still an old school faction of people that were like, "Screw the league, we're going to practice the way we want to." You know, I was with one of those coaches. Yes, I was. I mean, yeah, uh, you're not allowed to have a walkthrough. You know, during oh, you know, the early, but we had a walkthrough every day. We never listened. Hour walkthrough. I mean, what? Uh, John Gruden, he was going to listen to that crap. What? Oh, oh, you know, so, so yes, I think there was some people that pushed the limits. But what happened, you know, is players started to push back and player representatives started calling the NFL PA and being like, we were out here today hitting. It was supposed to be an OTA practice, and somebody got decapitated running over the middle and catching a pass. We had another guy that, you know, hurt his leg. So we, there was that that went on, and I was part of that as a player rep to where that started to become a thing. And I think the NFL has adjusted now to where you know, the coaches know the players take it serious, the league takes it serious, and I think they follow the rules a little bit better than they used to. They always watched the new coaches the most closely because yeah. those were the ones who were more likely to, number one, throw caution to the wind until they understood what the, the boundaries were. And number two, they just don't know. They don't know what can and can't be done. Uh, but, yeah, hey, I remember when Gruden came back into the NFL with the Raiders four years ago. He was constantly complaining yeah. about how the rules had changed since he had been a coach. It's even more restricted now. He was pre-2011 CBA when everything got dialed back, and now he's thrown back into it. Right. He's realizing right. all the things he can't do, and players who want to meet with him, want to yes. talk to him, want yes. to get to know the playbook, want to show up at 3.45 a.m. at the offices of the Fire Football Coaches Association and watch film and interact, you know, drink coffee, hang out. Like, you can't do that either. That, that stuff had him livid, but... But again, they've all learned how to operate within the confines of those rules. But there will be some violations from time to time. And, and when they happen, they, they, get, they get whacked for it. And uh, the NFL and the NFLPA do a good job of keeping an eye on it. All right. Something we've been keeping an eye on for a couple of months now. And it's not real, Mike. It's not real. You guys are crazy. This, con this <laughs> continues to percolate. Right? It continues to spread. It has grown legs that get longer and longer all the time. Sean Payton... Yesterday, and this is a this is a prime example of you see what you want to see and you hear what you want to hear because some have watched and listened to the clip we're about to play for you and they think, well, it's Sean Payton proving that there's nothing to any of the talk that the Miami Dolphins were interested in a package deal that consisted of Sean Payton and Tom Brady. Let's hear from Payton yesterday speaking to a group of reporters at a golf event regarding the Tom Brady and Miami Dolphins chatter that's been going on for weeks now. I have no clue about the Tampa, the Tampa Bay Miami Dolphin Tom Brady rumor. I, 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 my understanding is that there was a request put in or their intermediaries talked. And um, I'm like the rest of you. I heard that story. I told you guys that <clears throat> already. If, if I had if I'd have been ready to coach like this year, I would have stayed in New Orleans. And so... Um, 
it's nice to have someone interested. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's about it. I mean, look, our, our, our focus on Tom Brady has been, like, beating him, not uh, joining him. So, <laughs> Sean Payton, and he also said that he's likely to take a job with a network working in studio. Mm-hmm. I think it's down to Fox or Amazon. We'll see what happens there. But, 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 but. The key to what he said, and there are certain circumstances where you just have to say things. He's not going to come out and say, boy, I really did want to go coach a different team than the Saints. I really did. I, I really know. was interested. Right. In co- right. I really was. I yeah. really, I really wanted done to leave it. that place. I, I was really, loyal in that fan base. Yeah. I wanted to get out of there. Screw I, that place I, I, really, I was at. I really, I really right. want to piss all over my legacy with right. the Saints as right. I'm talking to people who cover the Saints in Louisiana. Yeah. I really, I'm really going to do that. The key was when he acknowledged that intermediaries talk. Right. That the intermediaries talk. Yeah, that right. means look, they don't talk unless there's something to talk about. And that's how the seeds of something like this get planted. You don't have Stephen Ross pick up his phone and call Sean Payton and say, Hey Sean, Stephen Ross here. How would you like to coach my team? That's not how it works. It starts with intermediaries, and it percolates, and it grows, and it builds. And there's nothing he said that's inconsistent with the fact, fact, that the Dolphins wanted him. Fact. They acknowledged they called the Saints. Fact. You don't call them up just out of curiosity. Gee, we're having a hard time finding a coach. Yeah. Well, let's just call all the teams who have former yeah, coaches right. floating around. Did they and call Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan exactly. and Belichick exactly. this year, too? Yeah, yeah right. We're just checking. So. And, and, and when we were working on this and doing our due diligence, I mean, the Dolphins acknowledged privately that there was talk about Tom Brady becoming yeah. minority owner. I mean, we know that this, was step one. Yeah. Step one, minority owner. Step two, possibly and apparently some sort of executive job. Step three, they hire Sean Payton in a deal with the Saints. And then step four. Tom Brady descends from on high and becomes the quarterback of the Dolphins. That was all in motion until the Brian Flores lawsuit was filed. The same day Tom Brady announced his retirement, I become more convinced as time passes that Flores specifically timed the filing of his lawsuit <laughs> to pull the plug on this thing before it could even get started. Uh, maybe. Maybe maybe he did. Maybe he just was like, screw the Dolphins. Let me do it right now and screw him over. But, I screw mean, Stephen Ross, I think. It was screw Stephen Ross. Yeah, I right. think that was the attitude. Yeah, sure. This is what Ross is trying to engineer, and I'm not going to let him do it. Like it's. I mean, again, you know, I, I know. I kn- from both sides of the aisle here. I know from people on the, the player side and the Dolphin side to know that this was real. So people are starting to figure it out because it's, of course, you know, again, it's the NFL and words going to travel through the grapevine of the people who really do know in Miami. And there's probably one or two that know in Tampa and Brady's inner circle too, to where now the story is getting out. I mean, first off, oh, all right, wait, Sean Payton, intermediaries talked, but he wasn't a part of it. He didn't know about it, really. He just heard about it. Sean I heard Payton, about it like the rest of you did. Just like the rest of us. Sean Payton, the guy that knows everything in football, anybody you talk to in the league, Sean Payton's talking about the rules and where the game's going. and everything. He knows everything. He's all over the league. Like one of the power players of the NFL and – yeah, he just heard about it like the rest of us. He just man, it just man. I heard this rumor, you know, that I, I, the Dolphins called me. I mean, come on, people, like get out of here. 
I mean, this is real. And, uh, yeah, it's fun just to watch Sean squirm and try to say the right things yesterday in that little press conference there. <laughs> he did tell Dan Patrick in late January right. that that he got some calls, and, again, it was through back channels. Yes. It wasn't directly. It was intermediaries, and that's – how it happens. He said two teams reached out through back channels to see if he would be interested. And again, that in and of itself is technically tampering. Not that the NFL ever enforces the tampering rules. But once you start down that path, that is an expression of interest. And if the conversations continue, it means there's interest that is mutual. If it's just Sean's not interested, like let's, let's, let's be real about this. And I think what Sean Pate was trying to do was to find a way to let those of us who get it understand that he's not going to completely tell a total bald-faced lie about this. Yeah, right. When you say intermediaries talk, there's no reason to have a conversation if both sides aren't interested in this. It's a very short conversation if Sean has no interest in coaching the Miami Dolphins or whoever else contacted intermediaries. The intermediaries only have a reason to talk if both sides are interested, and they were. It was happening. It was moving in that direction. And I think Sean found the only way he could to tiptoe through that minefield without, number one, pissing off all the Saints fans, and number two, coming off as blatantly and completely telling falsehoods about what occurred. And when he says intermediaries talked, that's the clue to those of us who know what was going on, that he realizes and recognizes that, yes— Yes, yeah. there was something to it. He's a power but, player but, in the league. He but, doesn't want to ruin relationships with the Dolphins people, Tom Brady's people, everything. He's got to be smart with what he says here. But again, you'll have the people who want to shout this thing down, say, oh, Sean Payton denied any knowledge about you. Sure, Jan. That's, again, to the trained eye, to the people who understand what's going on, he said enough to confirm not all of it, but enough of it that that I I feel no differently about it than I did yesterday. No, no differently at all. No, that not, it's, everything not. he said is consistent with what we've heard, and he said to the limit of what he could say about the situation in Miami. Chris. Right, right, yeah, no doubt. And then we, we again we continue to it, it's you know every three four days the story starts it's more and more somebody else catches it. I'm sure we'll get to the point like we talked about, like you talked about. You said it right. It's going to be like a training camp story leading up to the start of the week NFL one. season. It will week be. Week one. I'm telling you, yeah. Shefty, week one. Tom Brady suits up today to play for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but in an alternate universe, he could have been suiting up today for the Miami Dolphins. Here's how it would have happened, and it'll all be presented as if it's all brand new. But I will say this. i got to give ESPN credit. On the same day, on the same day that they had that worthless Tom Brady interview that we talked about yesterday, that included no questions about any of the stuff in Miami, about any of the friction with Bruce Arians, about whether or not Tom Brady had any role directly or indirectly in Arians disappearing 17 days after Tom Brady unretires. Nothing about why Brady retired in the first place, because his dad tried to blame it on ESPN. Well, they reported he was retiring, so he had no choice but to retire <laughs> or something that like that. That was hilarious. None, yeah. none of that is in this interview. <laughs> on the same day, ESPN finally writes a story about the chatter linking Tom Brady to Miami, and it went down the various paths. It, it did. I saw our it. report. I was, I was blown away. It was blown away. It by says it. he's got some questions to answer, right? Or whatever. Well, too. At, yeah. well, well yeah. but the bottom line is they had to address it because yesterday 
General Manager Jason Light answered some questions about the Tom Brady chatter involving the Miami Dolphins. Let's have a listen to the question and the answer that was posed to Buccaneers GM Jason Light. There's been a lot of chatter about Tom joining the Miami Dolphins next year uh, as a part owner. Uh, given that that it's out there, has there been any effort on the organization's part to maybe offer Tom something to kind of seal him with you guys for the future? No, um, we haven't had those discussions. So all the only discussions I've had that we've had with Tom is when he came back and we're excited about this year and we're excited to get going. What do you make of all that chatter? I mean, I asked you a similar question about the, the reports about the perceived friction between Bruce and Tom. And, but what do you make about all that, all those rumors about him, you know, possibly joining the Dolphins with Sean Payton and, and taking an ownership role with them? What do you make of all that? I, make of it it's chatter just like you said so we're focused on on putting our team together here with the draft and and we're all excited we're all in lockstep here uh, tom todd myself byron entire coaching staff on on this on this season just this casual effort to downplay reporting that has been done with clear voices not rumors backed up by facts that irritates me when i hear questions that just kind of have that that subtle attitude that it's all BS or it's all rumor, it's all being great. No, it's all real. And Jason Light knows it's real. You saw the smile on his face. I just regarded his chatter. Look, his only play at this point, Tom Brady's only play at this point, is to forget all of it. Everyone's on the same page for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in 2022. They're trying to win a Super Bowl. There's a mutual benefit to the team and Tom Brady if they do that. Jason Light benefits if they do that. Tunnel vision, laser focus, 2022, serenity now, forget about Miami. Miami will take care of itself next year if it does. But but it was real. And now they're trying to turn the page on it because what else are they going to do? They're not going to talk about it. They're not going to legitimize it. They're not going to create a distraction for themselves, no. especially because it has the potential to distract them regarding what happens after this season ends. It but does. we all know. That every NFL team in every NFL season now is a self-contained unit, and there's going to be fundamental changes to the team after that season ends. So the only way you can survive and thrive in the NFL is to focus on this season, and that's what they're doing. Yeah, we're walling off anything else that happened before or will happen in the future. We're focusing on this season. So Light handled it the way he should have. Yeah, he did. They definitely did. I mean, handled it like a professional. Yeah, they don't want to open Pandora's box of. Wait, you know, again, Brady came back, Bruce Arians. Wait, what the hell happened there? All of those issues, questions, you know, that can be a distraction for the locker room if that gets out of hand. And then, of course, the Miami stuff can be a distraction too because you're going to have guys that are going to look at the locker room and, and people in the organization and coaches are going to go, did Tom Brady, does he really want to be here? Did he really want to be here? Did he come here by default? Like, uh, So they're trying to end that to, like you're talking about, you know, not – put a dead spot or whatever I want to say, take the air out of the 2022 Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You're right. They're trying to keep that momentum going. Things positive, vibes positive. Let's go forward. Oh, wait, that quarterback that didn't want to be on our team and uh, most likely looks like got our head coach out of here to come back. Oh, what are you talking about? It's, it's, he's all in all the time. What are you talking about? It's Tampa Bay. It's 20. It's, we're just moving forward with this team. Yeah. So of course, because those are distracting issues for sure. The uh, the other thing, too, I mean, look, what happened last year? And before we get to that, look at this. Look at th- 
Look at this tweet. As we learn more about Tom Brady's power play to leave the Bucks, then pushing Bruce Arians out the door, him smiling in the front row of BA's retirement presser is the most diabolical moment in NFL history. Um, yeah, I don't know that I'll go that far, but but I, I it is funny. I think back to the Bruce Arians retirement press conference for a variety of reasons, but one of them is that just this presumption that because Tom Brady is there, it must mean that, that there was no friction and it must mean that everything's fine. And it must mean, I mean, come on people, how naive are we? How, if, of course he's going to show up. As I said at the time, plenty of people show up to the funerals of people they hated. That's just the way the world works. Sometimes you do what you have to do to keep up appearances. Yeah. Uh, that That's the only play there. I mean, cause if he's not there or a part of that, then we're definitely going well, Brady, of course he forced him out. He doesn't even care about the guy. He's not even there. This kind of takes it head on, and he can act like, well, what do you mean? I was here. I'm supporting him. I, you know, I said like, all the like who? Like, so, yeah, so they, he can play that angle, right? It gives, it gives the people who want to just buy into anything Brady says, it gives them the chance to just go, oh, look, there he goes. Oh, look, Sean Payton said that. There we go. We're good. We're good. Brady really wanted to be here. We're happy. Yep. Okay, sure. What I was saying, though, before that, Miami already went through a full season or actually half of a season where Deshaun Watson hovered over the team and distracted the team. And they don't want to have this Tom Brady stuff hovering over to a Tonga Vailoa. Although, again, I think to the extent he internalizes that perception that they don't want him and maybe Mike and, you know, Mike McDaniel will use that to draw the best out of Tua. You know, you always hey, you, oh, hey, uh, Tom Brady's coming next. You know, I, I he'll find a way the right way to mention it just at the right time to get Tua more locked in. Remember last year when Tua admitted that as a rookie he didn't know the two-minute package as well as he should. He didn't know the audibles as well as he should, and that was one of the reasons why Ryan Fitzpatrick would replace him from time to time. I just, I just think Mike McDaniel will have the right touch to use the Tom Brady chatter to get Tua to just push himself to be a little bit more than whatever he's been. I, I I think he'll have the right touch. I don't know if Tom Brady chatters the right way to do it. From everything we've heard, seems like all, you know, all optics look like two is a little sensitive, and you can't do that. He's gonna have to build him up first and get him some real confidence in himself, at least the way it looks to me. And the fact of do that first, then maybe we can throw some cracks about Tom Brady because you're playing good, and we got something positive there. But, uh, I mean, by all due accounts, I mean, all these issues have really affected Tua. You talk to anybody that's got any knowledge of that situation around there, it's a real thing. So this is, I, I think, going to be, you know, all about massaging Tua, building him up, building him up, building him up, and then maybe he starts to throw a few daggers and Brady in there when he gets him there. Something I've mentioned in the past, but we've never really reported because I was never able to completely conf- confirm it, but this is a looser format and we can talk about things. I-, I remember hearing last year, remember when he wasn't voted a captain? Yeah. And people were like, what the hell? I heard he was voted a captain and he turned it down because of just everything that was going on. Like, I don't want, I don't, you know, they really, this team doesn't really believe in me. Like, the team doesn't really believe in me. I don't wow. care if the players do. I'm not wearing that C. Wow. And it was all the Deshaun, that was when all the Deshaun Watson stuff was really. Because remember, right before the season, that's when out of the blue came this idea that 
the Dolphins are going to trade for him right, right now. Right. So it all happened around that. By the way, I'm getting word from the control room that we have found photographic evidence of someone showing up at the funeral of someone they hate. Yeah, there he is. Look. There it is. Boom. I'm there. The ghost of Rod- funeral future. Rogers is there. I'm really there. there. I'm really there. And I'm not even there from you. I'm just there to get close to Rogers a little bit. I don't even care about you. Here's what I can't figure out. If the people are assembled for the prayer service, why would I already be in the ground with the dirt on top of me? I think we need to get this factually accurate if we're going to continue to use it. That That is a scene from after everyone has left the the uh, Yeah, well, we're site. taking pictures. It's peace out. Okay, he's <laughs> out of here. It's the best he's ever looked. We're out of here. <laughs> you ass. Uh, uh, one, one more clip from uh, – Jason Light yesterday regarding the input that he may or may not be getting currently from Tom Brady with the draft only eight days away. I know that you guys, you know, you bounce things off of Tom when it's free agents or offensive, you know, players coming in. Do you even go over any of like the wide receivers or anything like that with Tom or does he stay away from the draft? No, he stays, he stays away. You know, he's, uh, he trusts us. Uh, that's just not in his nature anyway. Uh, it's not in his nature? Come on. He's handpicked all the veterans they've signed over the last two years. I guess he doesn't care about the rookies because they're not going to matter. They're, by the time they do anything, I'm done. I'm gone. I'm in Miami or somewhere else. But he has been heavily involved in the recruiting and the selling and the signing of free agents. You know, the draft stuff. And I think that, that he understands that – To truly distinguish between college football players, you can't just barnstorm in. You really have to put the work in. You got to study film. You got to do research. He knows guys in the league. He does not know guys not in the league. He's not equipped to do it. He's got to defer to others to figure that out. Yeah, I mean, he could do it. You're right. But it it would take time and effort. You you got to look at, you know. A bunch of them to get a feel for what guy is, what guy does right, wrong. You know, where's what's the pecking order and all of that. That's what it takes into the evaluating. I don't imagine him doing that, but you know, yes, guys in the NFL got great feel for. You know, you know, he watches film of everything, anyways. He crosses overseas guys that way, and I do think he'd be the type of guy too that once they get a draft pick and if they do have a receiver or two or a tight end. He is the kind of guy that I think will watch them film and look at it and go, ooh, you know what I noticed? He does this well on film. He does this well on film. You know, we should try these type of things with him. Uh, he, you know, he loves football. There's no question about that. All right, let's go ahead and take a break. Debo Samuel definitely loves football, but does he love playing for the San Francisco 49ers? That is an issue that has bubbled up out of nowhere. We're going to try to make sense of it when PFT Live continues right after this. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. 
we come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Whatever job you need to do out there, grab the right tool to get it done. The new F-150 with an available hybrid engine and up to 7.2 kilowatts of pro power on board to power things on the go. It's not a tool you'll hang in a tool shed, but you can certainly use it to build one. The new 2024 Ford F-150. Tough this smart can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024. Optional features the owner's manual for important operating instructions. Was that balance in deciding, hey, I'm still going to be a part of this full off-season programming and not doing sort of the navigation that you do see um, sometimes happen uh, as, as these contracts are discussed this time of year? Some guys do different approaches. I'm saying one approach is better than another. Um, you know, but I think being able to be here, being able to hide Sean's hair gel in the morning, you know, little new nuisance <laughs> type things like hide Les's bike, you know, can you do some stuff that just kind of um, bothers them, put them, you know, like, you open your drawer only two, you know, open his, you know, his pin drawer, you know, two inches, you know, do, doing little things we, you couldn't do if I wasn't here. So I think being able to be here just gives you a more tactical approach to things. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm going to be around my guys. Cooper Cup, I, I'm just wondering when he's going to go full-blown ZZ Top beard. That thing keeps creeping farther and farther away from his chin. I thought, because right before we played the clip, I'm thinking, I wonder if he shaved that kind of ratty Amish beard off. It's getting longer. I, I really do. Why not? Why not go for it? There's a point where it's not going to fit inside your chin strap. I wonder if that's what he's trying to test the limits of. I, but I'd say let him keep going. Get that, get that long ZZ Top beard. Yeah, he could do it. He definitely can. I mean, it's 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 an impressive beard. It's impressive in person too. I mean, it's it's legit. And I mean, and again, I would think there's. Uh, I've always wondered, like with boxers or UFC fighters or a football player, like there's probably some benefit to having that there. Yeah, it might be a little annoying putting your chin strap on it, but I would think it would give you a little cushion in case you take one under the chin or something like that. You know, give you a little bit more of a, a absorbing mechanism to take a shot underneath the chin if that does happen. Um, Cooper Cup will be able to buy the finest razors available, diamond-studded blades, once he gets his next contract. And this is glaring. We brought this up a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about the other receivers and how much they were getting. Cooper Cup's average is in the range of $14 million a year. He clearly deserves a new deal as we see the market exploding. He addressed yesterday at the outset of the Rams offseason program what his objective is as he looks at a new contract, specifically whether he aspires to be the highest paid receiver in the NFL. I mean, I don't think that's really kind of the uh, approach that I take. Um, you know, I, I think there's, you know, the guys are slotted in different places. And I, I definitely think there's a place that you want to be. Um, there's a place that I think you th- feel like it's fair um and i'm uh, in a place for both you know for me and just for this organization and um i you know i want to be there i'm not trying to beat anybody i'm not trying to um you know compare myself to anyone anyone else it's more of just you know being in a place that is like the uh i don't know yeah being in a, in a place that is just right for both sides look that's fair and i'm trying to avoid using the s <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> but but it's it's, I know. It's and and I, I know there's an element of it that is. And, and maybe what he's saying is, I don't need phony back-end 
numbers that will pump up my average. I think some of that too. Yes, right. right. Like the forty-five million dollar final year payment to Tyree Kill that allows him to say he's making thirty million a year when he's not. Right. But but the other side of it is, and look, good for him. He only did a three-year extension the first time around. Smart. Because he's signed through 2023. He's not like three, four, five years out into the future. Two years into the future, he makes $14.8 million this year. His average salary for the full contract is 15.75. That is woefully below where he should be. He is one of the very best, if not the very best receivers in football. We see where the market's going. We see where the salary cap's going. The problem for the Rams is how many positions – I can know. You have How the can you do highest it? paid player in the league at, or one of the highest paid players? This gets back to our concern that they're they're going to run out of competent players because all their money is invested in starters at the various positions where they are among the highest paid in the NFL. It's amazing. It's amazing they've dodged the bullet the way they have the last few years. I mean, we've talked about it. I think going into the last two or three seasons, like Rams are good, but three or four injuries, and uh oh. And they never seemed to quite pass the threshold. They were getting towards that in the Super Bowl to where we were going, uh-oh, I don't know, the Rams have enough depth. We're on to the third tight end. We're on to, you know, different O-linemen. It was, you know, Odell's hurt. Oh, no. Uh, whoa, now they don't have enough receivers that are actually that talented to scare the, the Bengals defense. So this is the game they're playing. And you're right. I mean, I'm, I'm amazed. And I just, I, I, it's what I think of. It stresses me out. Almost thinking about it when I go, wait, they got all these guys, and now they got to pay Aaron Donald more and Cooper Cup more. And to your point, I mean, Cooper Cup is, for Chris Sims' money, is every bit as good as Devontae Adams. Every bit. No doubt about it. Like, I, in fact, I think there's more explosive ability from Cooper Cup than there is Devontae Adams. So, you know my cup of tea at receiver. I'm a Debo, Jamar Chase type of guy. That's what I like. Cooper Cup, though, can do it all. And, yes, needs to be at least in the price range of those top receivers. And I think you're right. He's not going to be worried about the bullcrap, egotistical stuff about it. He's just going to go, wait, the first three or four years, am I getting what I'm worth there? You can put whatever the hell you want on the rest of it to make it look however you want. I think he is one of those guys. And he's already had one bite at the apple. He's going to get maybe one more. If he's very lucky, he'll have two more. But, you know, this is what we talk about all the time. NFL players over the course of their lifetimes have very limited chances to go out and maximize their return. And Cup is in prime position now to maximize his return. He's clearly in the best spot he's going to be from a playing standpoint. It's not going to get better. At best, it's going to stay the same. How long can he stay in that zone where he's performing at this level? Having Matthew Stafford there has a lot to do with it. Now's the time to get paid, and it's not a matter of selfishness. It's a matter of value to the team, contributions you've made, contributions you will continue to make, and the the cold, hard reality that the owners are making far more money than any player is making. And, yes, there's a salary cap, but at the same time, certain players deserve bigger pieces of it. And he can argue he deserves one of the biggest pieces for anyone in the Rams organization. Yeah, a Super Bowl MVP. I mean, made some of the biggest, clutchest moments in the history of the franchise. You know, the divisional catch against the Bucks. I mean, he's, again, it's almost a little like, you know, we talked about with Denzel Ward. He's just, he's everything you want as a, as a coach, as an organization. Yeah, you drafted him. He works hard. He sets the right example, you know. 
He's he's just humble guy, and one he can understand and and is really smart to do all the McVeigh stuff, and then two he's really talented to make the McVeigh stuff look even better, and that's where yeah it's it's a double triple quadruple whammy whatever you want to talk, but severely underpaid and they'll fix it. They always do right by their good players for the most part. The Rams. It's what I do respect about them. Sean McVay, coach of the Rams, said yesterday there's good dialogue both with Aaron Donald and Cooper Cup, the two heroes of Super Bowl 56. And I, I you know, you mentioned Cooper Cup was the MVP. In I know my you mind, forget. It was Aaron I know you forget. In my mind, it was Aaron Donald. It was. We, right. we, we awarded our first ever yeah. PFT Super Bowl MVP award and gave it to Aaron Donald because I don't like, remember all that talk, and it's true, I don't like the way that they tabulate the votes, the way they track the votes, the way they handle it. They don't have enough voters. So we decided we're going to have our own when the dust settles. It doesn't have to be awarded when the confetti is still in the air. I think they got it wrong. Even though Cooper Cup had a great game, it should have been Aaron Donald. Both guys could end up with new contracts. Debo Samuel. And, you know, Chris, I've been trying to think back to when we met with him at the Super Bowl. I got no indication there was any acrimony. He talked about his contract. Agreed. He's going to leave that to Kyle Shanahan and yep. his agents. You know, no sense, no pause, no hesitation, no tells, no ticks, no anything. Now, now, man, something's going on. Something is. You know, Shefty said something yesterday, and I still can't make 100% clear sense of what he's saying, but the takeaway, I think, is – as of right now, Debo doesn't want to talk, and they pissed him off. I think that's the way I look at it. They've pissed him off, whether it was their initial offer, whether it was how they moved once negotiations began. Something pissed him off and caused him to shut it down, and that's what prompted the removal of all 49ers' mentions and logos and colors from his social media page. They crossed a bridge with him, and he's pissed off, and his brother Tyquan Samuel putting some comments on social media suggesting that Debo's not going to be back with the 49ers next year. This has suddenly become a big deal for the 49ers. And it's just a few days after Debo, who who seemed to be very nonplussed about the whole thing, was talking about getting death threats and racist comments from fans in his DMs. This thing is, is a teetering right now. Seems like. And I don't know what the 49ers are going to do. But they got to mess with one of the best players on their team. Yeah, uh, definitely. I mean, one of the best players, certainly the, the, the best player with the ball in their hand on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, their number one schematical weapon. Uh, man, there's a lot of things at play here. Uh, there really is when I think about it. One, you know, I mean, I just sit there and go, well, Shanahan, he's an ex-receiver. He's very good at evaluating them. Maybe he looks at it and goes, well, I'll, I'll find another one. I don't want to pay $30 million a year. Uh, maybe. I mean, again, we know, you know, I know, we've heard from coaches and people that not everybody's bought into this $28 million a year wide receiver idea. I mean, there's like, there's some teams that are like, yep, I'll go get them. There's another faction in the league that's like, that's crazy. Receivers are growing on trees. We don't need to pay anybody $28 million a year. Maybe Shanahan's one of those guys. He does have an eye for it and I think has great, you know, um, what do I want to just say, confidence in his ability to evaluate that position. But, like, I, you know, Schefter, right, the, the original thing we saw was, you know, it's not the 49ers. You know, I'm, I'm paraphrasing. It's not the 49ers. It's Debo Samuel that's halted the conversations. And, you know, at first you just go, what? What? How could that be? Like, get the heck out of here. That can't be real. And, and then you go, I mean, well, was he making that up? Where is he getting that from? 
That's not something like Shanahan or Lynch, I think, BS about. They don't. But Pete made a great point when we were in our group text message last night a little bit. But, yeah, maybe he halted conversations after he realized, wait, the number's nowhere near I want to be. So I'm halting it. And I think that could be a very real possibility. And there's a lot that seems lines lines up there. At one point, Clarence Hill of the Fort Worth Star-Telegram, who doesn't cover the 49ers, made this comment, and it, it was regarded as a report, and I didn't see anything in it when I looked at it that tells me it wasn't. Debo wants to be the highest-paid non-quarterback in the NFL. And if the 49ers aren't willing to do that, and when, when at a time when Nick Bosa probably wants to be the highest-paid non-quarterback in the NFL, they're going to have to make a tough decision, and Shanahan probably has sufficient confidence in his scouting ability yeah. that he could go out and find another Debo Samuel because they got him in round two. They know how to scout these guys. You know, Shanahan has talked about what attracted them to him and the way he played in college, and they saw the physicality there. There goes the ear pad again. But uh, good luck with that. Once you find a guy who can get it done at the NFL level the way he gets it done and you're going to throw him back, you're going to move on from him, good luck with that. And then the question becomes, what will the 49ers do? He's under contract for one more year. What if they just say to him, sorry, we're we're going to we're going to – play this year with you on the team show up play for us or play for no one if they want to play ultra hardball with Debo Samuel they can yeah I mean they can you're right a hundred percent um they could also probably trade them right now and get the greatest value they'll ever be able to get for him I mean the Jets wanted Tyree Kill why the hell wouldn't they want Debo Samuel I've, that's I mean uh, to me it's oh wait the guy that's you know, almost every bit is electric, maybe more electric in some ways. And he's just about to hit the prime of his career. You know, I would think there's going to be a market for one of those teams that's willing to pay a guy like Debo Samuel that type of money. I would. I'm going to be interested to see where this goes because I think all the things we said, uh, I can see being real. And I know people think like, oh, well, you, you know, Kyle's probably told. I haven't talked to Kyle in forever. I have no clue. No clue what's going on here at all. But. I do know that he has great evaluate. He's a he knows or he feels he's a com- he's confident in his evaluation of of wide receivers. And just trying to put myself in his shoes, maybe that's what he's thinking. And yes, they got some other issues. You're right with other contracts that they got to figure out. Plus a twenty five million dollar quarterback that they don't want on our team that's sitting there too. He had eight hundred two receiving yards as a rookie in twenty nineteen, appearing in fifteen games. Missed nine games in the regular season in 2020 and had only 391 receiving yards last year is when he exploded became an all pro 1400 receiving yards added 365 rushing yards he told us that the super bowl was a surprise to him when they started using him as a running back they kind of created this mess for themselves by making him such a featured player in the offense, allowing him to develop into the player he is and making him realize I have far greater value than what you are attributing to me. I am a combination. I can play running back. I can play receiver. I can do it all. And as we've said about the Jets, they had the wallet open to trade for Tyree Kill and pay Tyree Kill. And here's Debo Samuel, who is making peanuts in comparison to what Devontae Adams and Tyree Killer making because he's under the slotted fourth year of his rookie contract. And and yeah, I, I Pete, I think your instincts are right. They pissed him off. They they and and maybe they can fix it now. Maybe it's on them to fix it and maybe the way to fix it is just show up with a truckload of money. But sometimes that 
that negotiation ritual early on when they deliberately go low, that yeah. could be enough. You could insult someone a little bit. You insulted them a little bit. A little bit. You insulted that, I mean, them. It seems like it. You insult them a little bit with one of those early numbers, and he just says, screw you. I'm out of here. Yeah, it, it, it does seem like that. Yes. And it's, I don't know. It's some pretty strong, you know, statements he's made. And you know, even the brother, I, you know, again, I know it's the brother, but, you know, more times than not, the brothers are on the same well, page know what's going as the player. Yeah, they on. usually know what the hell's going on. Exactly right. And, you know, bottom line is, you know, we've discussed it a lot, and you say it all the time, and I always love that you do it. He's, yeah, he's making nothing, and he's a kind of a car crash wide receiver. He's different that way, and he's got to protect himself because of that and the fact that we have tangible evidence that – and every big moment, the last seven weeks of the year going into the playoffs, when there was a big moment, they went, let's give Debo one of those car crash plays and let's go let him do it and let him win the game for us. Damn. So, yes, he has value there and he's got to protect himself there too because I do think Shanahan's the type of coach that will ride you and ride you and ride you until, you know, the wheels start to fall off a little bit. He's going to get his money's worth out of you. This is a prime opportunity for them to rebuild some of the draft capital they gave up to get Trey Lance. And if they do have a problem with Debo, if they have misplayed this, if they have bungled it and he's pissed off and doesn't want to be there, they may have to think about it. And the Jets make the most sense if they are thinking about trading him, in part because they wouldn't have to deal with him in the division or in the conference. They would send him all the way to the other side of the country. And if he thrives in New York, so be it. We'll never see them except for once every four years or in the Super Bowl if our paths cross yeah. there. I, so. I just wondered this one thing, Mike. This is another thing I do wonder. You know, the, it, it, by all due accounts, as we both know, they want to make it Trey Lance, the Trey Lance show. I would think if I'm Lynch or Shanahan, you, you put all those assets in to get to Trey Lance, you're also feeling the pressure of, Hey, Debo's going to make life a lot easier on Trey Lance. So we really, yes. damn, we're going to throw Trey. So they, they got an issue here. And they, I could understand them being pulled a lot of different ways in their brain as they try to figure this out. It's all the more reason for Debo to want more. Yeah, I'm here to right. help prop up this guy that you weren't sufficiently sure about to even put on the field very much last year. We thought we were going to see him a lot. We hardly saw him. He had the start against the Texans when Jimmy G was injured. There's still a thought percolating around the NFL that Trey Lance isn't ready. The 49ers aren't going to come out and tell us that, but yeah. he's going to look a lot more ready if he's got Debo Samuel to hand the ball off to, to throw the bubble screen, the jet sweep to, to know he's part of that offense. That makes Trey Lance a lot better than it would be if Debo Samuel isn't on the team. And, and one final point, you got $25 million in cap space that is tied to the quarterback right. that you continue to cling to. And somebody got mad at me because I referred to Jimmy Garoppolo as an albatross recently. I'm not talking about him. I'm talking about his contract. They're done with him. They're done with him, but they're saddled with $25 million in cap space that they're carrying because they think that some great trade opportunity is going to fall out of the sky. That's the albatross, that contract at this point, because that money, that cap space could be devoted to Debo Samuel. Yeah. And let me tell you, at some point, Samuel and his agents have surely had that conversation. You're going to, you, you're going to keep paying all this money to the guy that is going to be on the bench? What are you doing? What are you doing? I'm the guy that's out there helping you win. I I want what you're going to apparently give to Jimmy Garoppolo if you can't find a trade partner. The whole thing is a mess, 
And I don't know where it's going to go, but it definitely is one of those, you know, you got Kyler Murray, you got Debo Samuel. Those are the two top contract disputes to keep an eye on right now as you try to figure out where Baker Mayfield is going to go, where Jimmy G is going to go. We've got a lot of plates spinning in the NFL as the draft approaches, and not all these things are going to get resolved by next week, Chris. No, they're, they're definitely not. It's not. and it's, you know, it's, it's, We'll see. It's going to make maybe this lead up to the draft a little bit more exciting. I don't know if the Kyler Murray thing really matters. 49ers, Debo Samuel thing, though, that, that can matter for sure. And same with Baker Mayfield. That, that could also be in play here though, over the next week. So, um, it's always an exciting time in the NFL. Always. Never a dull moment. Let's take a break. When we return, hopefully there will be no dull moments in the segment that we call Who Said It? We'll do that next here on PFT Live. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms. And producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. 